Welcome once again, baseball fans. It's time for the Run in the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how in the heck are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. All right, we are getting into the thick of the stretch run where these games are really starting to matter for those in contention. How excited are you about the stretch of the 2015 season? It's a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, I mean... They're not my favorite teams that are doing well, but we have a lot of teams that are, um, I mean, the Mets and the Cubs and the Blue Jays, all these teams that are doing great that uh, haven't done well in a long time, and it's uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's go around the uh, leagues leading off here and talk about some of those teams in contention. Let's start with the Cubs. You and I went to the Braves game last night, and we, or last night. We went on Friday, and we were talking about um, dream matchups in the playoffs. Um, the Cubs, we both agreed, if the playoffs are there, particularly a league championship series or the World Series, that's by the default the best atmosphere we could hope for. Are you believing in the Cubs right now? legitimately uh, what what they've got four rookies that are in their everyday lineup uh the uh i i believe that's right regardless uh madden is making all of the right moves uh the team is playing with a tremendous amount of energy uh the uh i it would be great uh do i believe in them uh, they're not going to beat out the Cardinals. I mean, we're, do I believe that they can win a wild card? Yes, I do. Uh, they still have Pittsburgh in the same division, though. That's true. And the NL Central is the powerhouse division of the whole league. And uh, Absolutely. And we kind of saw that coming. That's one prediction we can be proud of. All right. Um, you don't... <laughs> not many of them, though. Not many of them, sadly, no. Um, I agree that I don't believe they beat the Cardinals, but do you see a scenario in which they do? If they win game one in Bush Stadium, let's say, is that enough? Or if they get that split to suddenly the percentage, the chance that they actually could beat them in a playoff series uh, go up? Yeah, I mean, it it can happen, yeah. Right. (laughs) That's true, it can. (laughs) I mean, you know, but that's not anything I would bet on. I, I, you know. Right. I don't bet against the Cardinals. I don't like them, but I don't bet against them. Yeah. Well, and then the Pirates, they are looking quite strong. Do you uh, um, do you think that a Garrett Cole, Francisco Liriano one-two punch in the playoffs is uh, highly formidable, moderately formidable? or The two of them uh, together, that's moderately formidable. Uh, I uh, Cole has impressed me as much as any pitcher I've seen in the National League this year. He's been the most overpowering pitcher I've seen. Yeah. And then uh, the Mets, um, you know, they kind of came back to earth a little bit. They're on pace right now to win 86, 87 games, and that's going to seemingly be good enough to win the division. So um, how high are you on the Mets right now? The, uh, I, you can't help but be high on them, and partially because the Nationals have just, just folded their tent. I mean, I, I can't believe what's happened there. I can't either. What of the Nationals? Should they be firing Matt Williams at this point? Um, well, I, I that would seem like an inevitability to me. I, I haven't uh, been reading the press about it, but I would think his job has certainly got to be in trouble, in, at least in a little bit of danger. Uh, but it's not his fault that he has an all-star team 
that plays 500 ball. You know, I mean, uh, some of it can be his, but you know, managers don't make that many, that much of a difference. Yeah, I haven't watched much Nationals baseball in the last few weeks when they've been on this tremendous slide. So I can't eyewitness, but it seems as though they just they're they're just kind of boring, or they don't seem really invested emotionally. Like who uh, outside of Max Scherzer do you think is the emotional charge of the team? Ryan Harvey. Right, uh, Bryce I mean, Harper. Bryce Harper. Uh, the uh, but he's so young. Is he really the the fit leader for I that know. team well, of veterans? Well, just he's the one that could put some emotional spark in them. But you're right. I mean, uh, the uh, it was for a long time. I think it was Jason Worth, but he's just been broken for so long. Yeah, and I've lamented that. I think that that contract is such a bust. I understand the value of him bringing legitimacy to the franchise. But at this point, if you're, you know, it's the chipper thing. If you're not out on the field, then you're not doing uh, as much good. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then uh, in the West, you know, the Giants, uh, they lost four to the Cubs in Wrigley, got swept. It seems as though that Madison Bumgarner is going to have to pitch every three days and win them all. All right. Because outside of him, there's not much going right with that uh, rotation. Do you think that the Giants fall off, or do they <laughs> rally behind and wild card, or is the division still in play? Uh, I I couldn't tell you. They have uh, – I can't think of a team that would seem more likely to make some sort of roster move uh, at this point, Getting uh, taking somebody off waivers, taking a bad contract somewhere. Uh, the uh, – I – do think that they have enough veteran pitching that somebody might step up uh, out of all of those arms. They're they're such a smart and intelligent organization that they seem to make the right moves at this time of the year. Yeah. Very much like the Cardinals. Yeah, and in fact, they're playing in St. Louis right now, so somewhat of a postseason preview. But right now, there's three out in the division, and then they trail both the Cubs and the Pirates for a wild card spot. And, you know, the Dodgers with Greenkey and Kershaw, they're not going to go on many losing streaks. Um, but about the Dodgers, they just fired practically all of their international staff. I heard this on the Braves radio broadcast last night. What do you make of that? Uh, that's first I knew about it. Yeah, they apparently fired most all of their international scouting and development. Um, something about they overspent their budget. Were, was anybody aware the Dodgers had any kind of budget? <laughs> oh, I know that. Uh, really, um, and the Dodgers have always had such a vaunted international scouting right uh, system, dating back to Fernando Mania. Yeah, I mean, I think they had the first uh, quote school in quote in the Dominican. They did. That is mm-hmm. a fact. I remember that. Um, so, but here the Dodgers are. They're sixteen games over five hundred, but they look uh, like Mattingly looks like he is just lost at times. You said at the beginning of the year that you thought Mattingly would be gone by the All-Star break. Yeah. He, he made it past that. Do you see him finishing out the season? Uh, at this point, uh, unless – while they're in first place, he is. They're not going to fire their manager. Well, I don't know. That might. I shouldn't say that. Uh, the Dodgers they seem like the type of organization that that's exactly when they would fire him. It's when they're in first right. place. Uh, but I um, – 
I don't know. That seems unlikely to me that he uh, doesn't last a season now. Right. Um, all right. Well, um, I, I think he'll stay because of that same reason that they're still in first place. But and also because I don't know who would come up behind him to take his spot. Um, but they do have a lot of uh, coaching talent all around that team. So right. uh, it could stand to reason. Well, switching over to the American League, um, the Angels uh, just got swept by Can- – or I'm sorry. They just got uh, lost the series to Kansas City over the weekend. Kansas City looking dominant. Um, what do you make of – staying in L.A., what do you make of the Angels? Um, they can hit the ball. <laughs> uh what do I make of them? Uh I don't see enough of them. I think uh the it's I've never I was never a Pujols fan and he's had this tremendous comeback year. At least uh probably what I like best about the Angels is that I really don't think A-Rod gets to be comeback player of the year. <laughs> Yeah, that's one small bit of uh, satisfaction we can take uh, out of his I mean, it, resurgence. It's, it's also, if the Angels could make it to the series, then it's the Mike Trout show. I mean, you know, it's the coming out for the face of baseball. Yeah, Mike Trout show has been kind of uh, on on some on, on, on some flat tires recently. It has, it has, but I mean. They claim that he's off balance, that he's not certain about his approaches as far as taking the first pitch versus swinging at the first pitch. Ted Williams says, always take the first pitch. Do you agree with that? Oh, phil- uh, no. Philosophically, I don't believe in any one particular approach at the plate. The staying back, Doyle School, Walt Reniac weight on your back foot sliding into the uh, plate. That's one approach that works for a particular type of hitter. Uh, Somebody who just wants to be completely balanced at the plate and swing from a, uh, their, their center core. That's another type of hitter you uh, and some types of hitters uh, need to be aggressive uh, that just have to go out and attack the ball and, uh, so, you know, if you're Ted Williams, if, you know, you've got like the greatest vision on earth, uh, and I think he's the, an X-Men. Yeah, I think he really right. was. I mean, uh, and with, uh, that kind of quickness and that coil, but no, yeah, for Ted Williams, she shoot, he could have taken two, you know, pitches <laughs> uh, and a lot of people did, you know, Wade Boggs always took the first pitch there. You know, a lot of people have done that. Now that's a philosophy that works for some people. Yeah. Do we think that for, uh, for trout though, that, um, this is, this is something or nothing to steal from PTI. Is he just having a little, a little mental hiccup or is this a flaw of his that's, that can be, uh, exploited by opposing pitchers? All, superstars per se all people that have a a long career in the major leagues have to continually make adjustments right yeah and and i think too just like with bryce harper do we quickly overlook the fact that he's you know what 23 barely 24 right right well i mean he's i know he's been the youngest person at the all-star game three years in a row right (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So we have to take that into consideration, even though we, you know, he seems like he's the oldest veteran 24 year old player in a long time. So, um, but yeah, maybe he's just, he's just got nerves. Finally, he, he does in fact bleed. Um, so, but of Kansas city, they're getting it done once again, without scoring a lot of runs, even at a better pace than last year. The energy is high at Kauffman stadium. What is the, uh, what is the ceiling for Kansas city? Uh, as far as winning the world series, would you make them a favorite even at this point? No, I wouldn't make them a favorite. Uh, I think for me, you still got to go through the Cardinals. True, but they will only go through the Cardinals in the World Series, and right. they will have. You said, uh, "Would I make them a favorite in the World Series?" No, and, and they'll have the. I'm just giving you all the intangibles. <laughs> they have the home field. Thank you, All Star Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How about in the American League then? Uh, I w- can't think of another team except perhaps the Blue Jays, who are just, you know. They've been on fire. Yep. Feel-good story of the yep. year, the Blue Jays. Are they the feel-good story of the year, though, considering oh, Houston and Minnesota, though they've fallen off as of late, um, and the Mets, of course? If the Cubs go to the playoffs, and particularly if they win a round, but they go to the playoffs, win a round, they're the story of the year Yeah, because uh, they're the Cubs. You what know. what if they just win that wild card game? Is that still? But then they get swept in the division series. Is that still enough to put them into the yeah. into the yeah. victory lane? Yeah. As field gets all right. So and then what of the Blue Jays and the Yankees battle for uh, for first? And, and and not to overlook the fact that the Baltimore is still in it. They're they're on a four game winning streak. But New York takes two of three in Toronto, so it's it's kind of back down to earth for Toronto. But quietly, Mark Burley, 13 wins on the yeah, season. Yep. He's close to leading the whole league in, in, in wins. That's That pitching staff behind Price could be the best. They've got Hutchinson, they've got Burley, and they've got Price. So what, what other rotations do you think of that are, that are legitimately three deep? Well, they're... Going into In the, the playoffs, playoffs you know, the you. the Cardinals, you know, uh, are going to be there. Uh, in the American League, though, uh, who would they be playing? Uh, the Royals. Uh, Royals will be able to match up with them. Uh, the uh, Angels, no. Uh, Yankees. Yeah, I think the Orioles are more likely to be there than the Yankees. But, I mean, they could. Uh I can't think of any, uh, you know, for a lot of the contending teams in the American League, I can think of their ace right off the bat, but then I have to jog the memory right. on two and three. But Toronto, it's easy. So, I mean, they, they really... Chicago. Yeah. Well, they won't be there. <laughs> no, they won't. I hate, you can put that on the board. No. I think, think I've already have. Yeah. And so the Yankees, they sit 13 over 500 at this moment in time, but you don't think they'll be there at all? Um, I Well, no, they. I'm not going to say that. And in a way, it would be a very interesting story. Uh, and I think we need the Yankees to be good, to hate. You know? uh, yeah. but, uh, and not that, you know, that these two grizzled old veterans to Shara and a rod coming out of nowhere who 
who could think of why? The, uh, What's I, their secret to success? I don't know. I don't know either. It's bizarre. Well, let me ask you this last thing. If it's Cardinals-Yankees in the World Series... <laughs> I don't. I barely even want to mention it. But if it is, because we have to be realistic, are you even going to stay in the country <laughs> at that moment? I'll have to. I'll have to watch it too. That's the. That's the bad part. I'll be just praying for a sweep. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible to discern who you would quote unquote pool for in such a matchup? Whatever team won the last game, yeah, to get it over with quicker. <laughs> All right. Well, so we uh, going first to third. The Braves pulled off a, a a non-waiver trade to bring Mr. Nick Swisher to Atlanta, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Swisher is commonly known as the most energetic clubhouse clown guy that there is. So today we're going to talk about all-time clubhouse characters. The Braves could kind of feel like the all-marauder, the all-clubhouse team this year. Of any well, of the other well, you teams. Know why? You know, probably one of the reasons behind that is this philosophy of taking bad contracts that uh, and uh, swapping these things out. So, I mean, uh, we've picked up, you know... Swisher and Bourne, we were picking up two bad contracts uh, from Cleveland, giving them one of our own. Uh, And it has to do with those contracts running out this next year. Um, I think Gnomes, you know, Johnny Gomes, if he plays enough, he becomes a bad contract uh, because he's like invested for another year. And I think uh, often you're good clubhouse guys, maybe they get an extra year, you know, that they shouldn't be getting uh, because uh, management believes in them at a particular time. Um, well, you know who gets a little bit overlooked in the the clubhouse character team that we have this year um, is Cameron Mabin. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, he's been the big surprise. He's been had the biggest upsize of any of those. Or well, AJ's had just a tremendous year. He yeah, really has. Yeah, and AJ, you know, before Bryce Harper is the embodiment of I loathe him when I play against him, but how great right. is it to have him on no, this team? So, and also, you know, the Braves, just real quick before we get into uh, uh, in-depth on clubhouse character guys all time, the Braves, how interesting are they now suddenly? You know, we're a little bit biased. Those who follow the show and have listened to us, we're in Atlanta. We're Atlanta Braves fans through our lifetime. But last year, were they were they this interesting of a team to discuss? No, no, no. Yeah, they, uh, last year was painful. Uh, but uh, this is—I uh, I said at the beginning of the year that this was going to be fun. I don't know how many people we've had play for the Braves this year. I mean, but it—you know—it's over fifty. I think. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, that may be pitchers. Yeah, I think that's—I think it's over fifty pitchers. Uh, I mean, uh, you look at the whole team, we've had a tremendous, I mean, and it, there'll be more still to come. Um, yeah. The, uh, and it's interesting to see what Hart is doing. It seems to be, uh, I mean, there, there were so many years when the Braves were awful that they didn't do anything. And you were like, do something, you know. Uh, and so you, all you were doing is waiting for another wasted first-round draft pick each year. Uh, and 
then when the Braves became good, uh, they did things not as much as uh, you wanted them to. to do at times, but I mean, they did go out and get Fred McGriff in the, oh, while the season was going on, and, and changes were made. Uh, we've been in this kind of blah maze for uh, the last five or six years where we were just barely making the playoffs and then not exceeding beyond that. We, we needed to shake things up. Things were not going well, and the way the club was made up, it was a, not an exciting team to watch. Exactly, and not an exciting team to even follow behind the scenes, and that's what I love, I personally love so much about these characters we have on this team. Um, yeah, they're, you know, the Swishers and the Gomes are in the, uh, their, their skill set is fading tremendously, um, but just the dynamics that it creates. I've, I've long since criticized the Braves for being a little too corporate, a little too stuffed shirt, and I like to see, you know... I like to see a Nick Swisher hit a double and do the tomahawk chop. Um, so, so yeah, and what a great thing to suddenly be in the conversation of you know national commentators just with. Um, so speaking of character guys, then um, starting with the Braves, Brzezinski, Gomes, uh, Swisher, Mabin, who is the uh, most interesting, most charismatic clubhouse guy that we have. I, oh, I don't know, and I don't. Uh, I, I don't pretend to. Know. We, you know, you don't know that sort of thing unless you're there. I'm sorry to, like, uh, stamp on your question, but uh, what the press knows is, or is nothing compared to what it is on that team. Uh, you know, they they may be looking at all of these people is just blowhards. You know, they may, uh, players may be looking at them as, uh, you know, as just performers uh, out looking for a dollar by doing this. But I mean, in real life, I mean, they have families and uh, the, the clubhouse leaders are the people that care about your family and care about uh, your own personal lives and stuff like that. The, I think your real clubhouse leaders are people that you don't even know about. You read enough accounts of uh, you know, the baseball players in their, when they look back at their careers and the people that they talk the, or, or praise the most are the people that you didn't even think of as being clubhouse leaders, the people that were kind of quiet, you know, that, uh, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, I think Swisher, and I, I don't mean that against him. I think, uh, there could be a certain kind of energy in this. Uh, Swisher is kind of a, a clown. Uh, I think of Johnny Gomes is kind of your, you know, uh, punch you in the mouth, uh, you know, cowboy boot wearing, uh, you know, army first kind of guy, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and that's great. He can be good for a clubhouse, but he's not going to go up to a Steve Carlton who is a wine connoisseur and tell him to start busting his ass more. Uh, you know, that there are different types of people, you know, uh, does, you know, do Mabin and 
Johnny Gomes go out to eat? I don't think so. It's not, you know, I and from most accounts, very few baseball players hang out with other teammates and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I just think... Not anymore, yeah. I think we... Yeah, I mean, this is a clubhouse guy. They're, a good clubhouse guy is somebody who's a friend, you know? I mean... And, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, yeah. friend. Well, I mean, you know, you're... Uh, they guys who like to play cards together during uh rain delays and things like that you know i mean yeah and uh, although now it's probably like angry birds or game of war or something like that actually they still play cards a lot because there's gambling involved right good 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 point well given that full description that you give um in your lifetime who are some of the standout clubhouse character guys that you've seen and followed um well the uh I grew up uh, with Eddie Matthews as one of my uh, idols and uh, read about his exploits. Uh, I mean, he always had your back with if there was a fight or if somebody was, you know, you and Eddie Matthews was a moose, you know, and you wanted him uh, to have your back. Uh, and I always kind of looked upon him as the the ideal teammate uh i know mickey mantle uh said uh the uh and it is on his grave he said that's the only thing that he wanted was to be regarded as uh a great teammate or that it's on his monument in monument park uh and that's uh that's all he wanted he was like a uh a, you know the ultimate teammate uh, if you're talking about your characters in the clubhouse, so nobody beats ever. I mean, and this was before, obviously, either of us were born, but Louis Van Zelst. Louis Van Zelst. Yes, Louis Van Zelst. Give uh, us a quick bio on that for those who don't know, myself included, uh, on him rather. He was the hunchback Bat Boy for the Philadelphia Athletics from 1710 <laughs> to 1714, and the uh, uh, everybody liked him. Uh, he were sure of this. Oh yes. Well, did uh, we read? Connie, Connie Mack uh, actually let him on uh, on the field. He was the Bat Boy. There, several... I got to make a correction. You just said 1710 to 1714. Oh, oh, no, no, no. It was. 1910. There we go. I was going to say, was this report gathered <laughs> off of a tablet somewhere? <laughs> anyway, no, no. All, all right. right. So we got 1910 to 1914. Yes. Connie Mack, Philadelphia. Well, Continue. Uh, there was some, he, this kid had broke his spine or something when he's like eight or something like this. And he ended up with a hunchback. Uh, and uh, he hung around uh, some Pennsylvania, uh, I think Western Pennsylvania uh, college or something, the athletic events there. A couple of uh, Philadelphia A's saw him. They bring him in to Connie Mack, and he lets him be the, the bat boy. They win the first couple of games he's there, you know, or something. And so he stays on, becomes the hometown bat boy um, for four years. They uh, they eventually would take him on the road with him at times. Uh, he would uh, He got to come down to spring training. Uh, and other players on other teams treated him well, but he would 
hunch over him. <laughs> they would rub his hump for luck uh, when they would go to uh, bat, and what the and the pitcher would come and rub his hump and stuff. He was popular enough. I know that he went to Eddie Collins' wedding, uh, <laughs> but the. Uh, he died, I think, when he was like 20. He was never really healthy. <laughs> but I think that's the ultimate clubhouse character. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sad I didn't get a chance to see him in action. Oh, me too. Uh, it would, I mean, and it, it's also sad that it would never happen in today's you know, more politically correct world. Oh, I'm not saying that's sad. It, it it brushes a lot. I mean, this is at a time when freak shows were still around, and the rationale behind freak shows was that at least we were giving these people uh, a way to make a living, you know. <laughs> and they were, and they were uh, still called freak shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, the movie Freaks, uh, you know, the 1933 movie or whatever it is, uh, you know, it's set, it has like a disclaimer that a move due to uh, advances in medicinal care and uh, science and stuff that a movie or a, a movie like this will never be made again. And thankfully it won't. So, I mean, like, well, actually, I, I guess Louis Van Zelst uh, wouldn't, uh, they may have corrected his spine and he wouldn't have been hunchbacked, you know, in today's yeah. time. Yeah. But you know the 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 athletics won three of five World Series oh, yes. in that time period. Yes, so uh, and uh, he certainly won four uh, pennants. Yeah, so he certainly had a, had the right effect on the team. He yep. did. So that you can't argue with the results either. Gotta love the hump. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I I'll, I'll throw in my hat for that I've seen in my lifetime and. He was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. So Pedro, Pedro had a what was the was this guy's name? The In, midget. Yeah, he the brought uh, Nelson De La Rosa, uh, the two <laughs> foot four inch Nelson De La Rosa, to the Red Sox in two thousand four. The same thing, you know. Let's bring in. I mean, Pedro could get away with it. Yeah, he could. But you know what would happen if. Uh, John Smoltz had brought in a midget to uh, to the Braves at that time. Then he would obviously was be... He, midget, should we be saying it? Is it a little person? Uh, I, a, a vertically challenged, I guess. Yeah, all right, yeah. I don't know. But you know what? Pedro called him a midget, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. We could say mini-me, too. But um, yeah, Pedro for sure. Uh, they played this clip a lot, but getting duct taped to the post in the dugout in Fenway and, you know, beyond that, he also had his teams back, you know, he do, oh, yeah. do whatever it took to intimidate and to win. And considering his, uh, he was a rail that wasn't very tall. Um, that's a, that's a character overcoming, uh, appearance. So the the 2004 Red Sox team had another one that is also a big publicity guy now Kevin Millar. I thought he was he was he was good for that team as a character guy though not that productive on the field and uh he uh he's like the Nick Swisher before Nick Swisher. I just don't I hate to sound like Brian Kinney, but I I don't think that sort of thing wins that many ball games. It makes the team more interesting to watch. You know, but you should see if Brian Kenny will uh, discuss Lud- Ludwig von Hunchback. 
<laughs> well, put some yeah. saber metrics around presence of lucky hump. Well, and yeah, I think the saber metrics would have worked when you look at what those teams did. I think. How would you abbreviate that stat? P H R N D. I don't know. With uh, an asterisk and a uh, double cross sign. Um, no, but I mean, I don't think when you're at bat, uh, when you're trying to hit a major league pitcher, you're not like, yeah, Millar is right. <laughs> We're dumb. <laughs> it's not making, I mean, you, that's not going to make you hit that pitcher any better. Yeah. Uh, and you're not going to try any harder. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. There are it's hard to be to kick yourself as much as you can. If you have somebody that can help motivate you, uh then um yeah, that that can that can be an aid. I, I just don't I think most players are intellectually uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh <laughs> that they are disciplined enough to be able to find their own sources of motivation true i agree with that it's a it is you know athletes at the professional level are all alpha dogs in some sense right so otherwise they wouldn't be able to compete like that right um well uh the hunchback of the a's is probably uh much lesser known so all uh, through your lifetime right. who are some other good ones character guys or character just, guys well i mean or characters uh, you know, uh, you can do both. You see, Swisher to me doesn't. I don't see him as a character guy. I don't see him as somebody. Nor do I see Millar that way. Uh, now, what you were saying with Pedro, uh, he did have your back. Somebody threw at uh, one of his players. He was going to throw at uh, you know their equivalent. Uh, now, easier to do when he was at Boston and didn't have to bat. Uh, yeah, you don't hear a lot of the same kind of stories once he goes to the Mets. He did it when he was in Montreal, though, uh, to give him credit, for, if you're going to give credit for that. Um, the uh, One of the unwritten rules. Uh, True. But I, um, in terms of Swisher and Millar types, uh, what you have Casey Stingle is the greatest of all. I mean, there's so many Casey Stingle stories, both as a player and as a manager. And when you would listen to Stingleese, there would be glimpses of brilliance in things that he would say. And then he would just slip in and that wouldn't give you too much and throw it around. And uh, it was uh, there was brilliance behind this just unbelievable gibberish. He didn't win all of those pennants because he was... Uh, this goofball, you know, he knew what he was doing. I mean, he's really the person who invented platooning and all of this sort of stuff. I mean, he uh, and used way ahead of his time, still ahead of his time today in the use of a pitching staff. Had a larger pitching staff than. He, why am I going off on this? We're talking about characters. I was just talking about Casey Stingle. Yeah, well, I mean, this is why you know. Well, I mean, he had uh, he would use. Pitchers, uh, starters sometimes would come in uh, in long relief, and he would have, like, Whitey Ford wouldn't pitch 
for six games, you know, and then he would throw him twice in three games. And uh, then he would, uh, a week later, come in in short relief. Uh, and then Red Ruffing would suddenly switch and become, you know, he would use pitchers in a totally different way, uh, looking, uh, not having a closer. But uh, when the game was on the line at that point, Ryan Duran comes into the game, you know, uh, it was different, way ahead of his time. What? Uh, how many wins do you think he was worth? Because you've said before you don't think managers are you know directly worth more than maybe three or four games, three or four wins a year. But what about Stengel? Well, I think the very best managers are probably very hard to put a number on. But I think uh, a, a your very good managers are probably worth about three or four games a year. But then the very good managers have good years, too, where uh, they're worth more than that. Uh, and I I think Joe Madden is apparently that type of manager. And I'm saying apparently. I'm just going by what I read. Uh, I mean, he's certainly doing good things with the Cubs now. Well, uh, it, particularly, I'll add on to that, that series against the Giants where they got swept the very masterful uh, managing decisions that he makes, understanding the value of uh, these wins in the in the in the stretch run that's not wasn't quite you know we weren't deemed in the stretch run when this series takes place, but taking out pitchers you know early and the pitchers don't like it and because oh, yeah. he just knew so oh yeah. Well, yeah I mean yeah he doesn't. Uh... As much as he's a player's manager, he has he's trying to win the game, uh, and that's you know where he's not nursing any egos or anything. Right, and but, I was just thinking in terms of him as the modern day short, you know, uh, for the Cubs. Exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, so again, the question: Stingle, how many wins per year? So, uh, but think I think worth? there were years where he was worth seven. Years where he was worth three, four, uh, and I'm just kind of guessing. You know, goodness knows. Uh, but there were years where Bobby had great years, uh, and he was always going to be worth a couple of wins because he had people that wanted to play for him. If we all know that the big three pitching staff and Chipper stayed around in Atlanta longer, partially because of Bobby. Uh, they at different times, and I do think Chipper would have gone elsewhere, uh, and I think Smoltz would have, both at different contract uh, periods. And so then how do you measure their worth? Uh, but I think uh, Stingle wasn't really worth any wins when he was managing the Mets. They didn't win any. Uh, but he helped the Mets become what the Mets were, the lovable losers for so long. I mean, and they, he was entertaining what was a pathetically unentertaining ball team. You know, so Interesting. So he qualifies in both spectra. Well, and he was supposedly an awful manager with Brooklyn, I think, before he became a Yankee manager. He hadn't won yet. I mean, I don't think he'd had a winning season. So, you know, uh, the... Nick Saban supposedly is the best uh, 
in-game coach going on you know, in the NCAA, makes adjustments better than anybody else. But he's got the talent to do it, too. Uh, and he is ultra, you know, he has as is prepared as anybody, but he's got the talent to do it, you know. And uh, when Casey Stingle had the talent, he did it, you know. Uh, but there was, uh, you know, he didn't have the, you know, uh, John McGraw couldn't have won with the 60s Mets. Yeah. Well, considering um, what's going on in Washington right now, and you have Matt Williams, who wins the manager of the year last year, and now it looks like he's on a fast track to getting fired at the end of the season, possibly even before, is it harder in your mind to maintain success with a uh, or, or to generate success with a club stacked with you know generational talent and all stars or to build something with you know young players and marginal veteran talent which do you see as more difficult oh i think uh for the manager i think it, uh, it, you give him the right amount of, and the right talent larusa had the right talent uh for him I mean, he had all of these one and two batter pitchers. You know, uh, he had a team that he could uh, move around to different positions and things. Would Leland have done as well with the teams that were LaRusse's best teams? I I don't know, but I don't believe so. Uh, And the same is true, vice versa. I. but both of them would like to have uh, pool holes in his, you know, prime playing for them. You win because you have talent. Uh, and so, I mean. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I, I have Stingle's managerial career here. He, does, he truly does not win anywhere except with the Yankees. He does right. not even yeah. have a winning season. Yeah, that's what I. I anywhere. Yeah. And I just, I've. It just it's kind of amazing to me. So I, I it, and he is mega successful with the Yankees. The Yankees, but had the talent too. Yeah, they had this knack in all of the Stingle years where they would go out and get these washed up veterans, uh, the Enos Slaughters, you know, and people like this, uh, who would come have found find a fountain of youth playing for Casey uh, down a stretch and. Uh, the Johnny Sains and people, you know, arms that were all used up and stuff, but he would bring it out of them. Yeah. And so with Williams, what is Williams missing? Or do you think that his inability to win with this all-star team, is that because of the injuries they've befallen? Or does he just not understand how to do it because he's a young man? He's he's early in his managerial career. Oh, I don't know that. The manager that he can be said to, uh, you know, that that's his fault. I'm sorry, I didn't say that well. I mean, I he didn't put that team together. The general manager put the team together, and uh, now he may have made some stupid moves, and he may have people that are not particularly motivated. But I, you know, I don't know how much uh, that he's put them in an environment in which they don't they they don't self motivate. Uh, but that's that's a lot to blame on him. I mean, 
if he's playing the right people the right times. I don't know how he may have misused uh, or mishandled his pitching staff. Uh, it's uh, hard to misuse a staff like that. but uh, They so, find a way, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just making poor decisions across the board with how they handle their pitchers. Yeah, I – but the I I don't think he's going to last that much longer. You know they, they pay that team too much. You, you got a team that's paid that much that you don't win, you get fired. True. Um, all right. So uh, back to the clubhouse um, leadership character guy, as opposed to a character just in general, a goofball, if you will. Um, some others, some players that you read about and saw their leadership when you saw them play is that even something that one can do because you 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 said earlier how you you don't really know what's going on with the the leadership in the clubhouse you don't i mean uh there i mean you heard about times where that people were uh great in the clubhouse i mean you you've heard about that i mean and but that were leaders of this team and you didn't see, you don't see it on the field uh you didn't um okay the uh supposedly uh tony perez was a true leader for uh all of the hispanic players uh that played for the reds and bench was the leader for uh all of the white guys on the big red machine and morgan was the leader for all of the black guys that seems terribly racist in today's world that's only you know a couple of decades ago but uh it makes a big difference though talking right. 70s versus now right right i mean uh I mean, but they were supposed, they all got the monikers of clubhouse guys at that time. Uh, to me, I have always admired Roberto Clemente, and everybody that played with him said how they admired him. He attacked uh, the game of baseball uh, with a tremendous ferocity, but he was also such a humanitarian that they named the award after him. Uh, and But I don't know if that made Bill Verdon uh, play any harder, you know, and I don't know <laughs> if that made Don Hoke, you know, play in on a bunt any better than he did. You know, so I, you know uh, this was also, you know, he was a guy that uh, press had to call Bob, you know. Yeah. Uh, but speaking yeah, of racism. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I mean, you know, so what, talking about leaders, somehow or another, Stargell was leader of, you know, the We Are Family. Uh, he was, you know, to the point that they called him Pops, but that may have partially been because he was kind of the upstanding person on that team and there weren't many and he was old and big and so he kind of fit pops you know he was the hall of famer on the team too so there you go well to kind of come full circle i guess to back to the braves for a minute some of the best clubhouse character guys that you saw it on the field certainly as far as i'm concerned to my eyes is smoltz and perzinski looking at perzinski you heard the stories and then you see how he plays and he's clearly the leader. He's clearly 
a, a different kind of engine moving his teams, you know, and, and, and I think that's also evidenced by just how many no hitters he's caught. All right, but I'm going to. He is being a professional, and he's a catcher, and that's the way a catcher should be. The catcher is the guy who faces everybody else. He is, in essence, the quarterback. Everybody looks at the catcher. Uh, he tells everybody what to do. Uh, that's AJ's job. When he got to spring training and we had 14 catchers there, literally, you know, he takes them out to eat, says, This is what I, you know, expect. Uh, if you think about it, I mean, McCann was the same way. Uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not letting somebody show up his pitcher and uh, this sort of thing. Uh, a little bit uh, maybe dated somewhat in the approach, but uh, st- that's the way a, a catcher should be. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I'm giving AJ compliments for being a professional at his position. But I think he took it to another level because would you ever say the same about Javi Lopez? No, and I didn't think Javi ever was that type of catcher. Can you believe that uh, Javi wasn't mentioned in any of the Hall of Fame speeches? Right. <laughs> well, you've had the pleasure of having dinner with him at one point. Well, no, so. lunch. Uh, oh, the, lunch. Sorry. The uh, Just, no, he happened to be where I was. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try and downplay it, Coach. Y'all are yeah. like best friends, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you know, but I mean, uh, Javi was also in a position where he comes in and he's got three Hall of Fame pitchers that were already established when he becomes a catcher. You know, he's uh, the uh, Charlie O'Brien was still teaching these guys something. Uh, Javi was, you know, he, he <laughs> excuse the expression, and I mean it as a dog. Uh, well, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> He was the lackey of yeah, oh, yes, Tom Glavin. There we go. Yes, he yeah. was Tom Glavin's lackey. That's a very nice way to put that. Yeah. Um, that brings up an interesting point, though. Do you think that the, char- the, 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 the big character guys, it depends. It, it's kind of tied into the position? Because we've mentioned mostly pitchers and catchers here. Um, well, that's because the pitchers have been so dominant in this town for so long. I mean, you're looking at those. Uh, I don't think... Koufax and Drysdale were the team leaders uh, of the Dodgers. They were the reason that they won for so long, just as right now Grinky and Kershaw are the, uh, you know, they're the reasons that the Dodgers are in first place. But Grinky's already said, you know, I'm going to place with the most money, uh, you know, and I don't see, I mean, Kershaw may have some of the same problems that, we talk about uh, Bryce Harper having in being so young, uh, but so I, I don't necessarily think pitchers are going to be. I mean, Pedro was, but yeah. yeah. So Greenkey, are we thinking maybe Miami? Because we're talking most money, Miami or Florida and Texas. Those are the places with the no <laughs> state tax. So, do you think that the the Marlins will shell out to to bring him to the staff? No, but the Astros might. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. He can hit a lot of home runs in that park, a lot of bat flips. He could also end up a Yankee. Don't ever count them out. That's true. Yeah, but if it's about the money, there are a lot of teams that have got a lot of money suddenly. You know? Oh, I know. The I Yankee know. money is getting is not as, uh, I guess, powerful as it used to be. Not as powerful, but it could still always be the most. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So with September call-ups, let's talk a little Braves prospects. Um, Christian Bethencourt hitting out of his shoes at Gwinnett, a 500 average in his last, uh, forget how many games it is. Um, are you, how, how are you, are you buying Christian Bethencourt stock again? I haven't bought it yet. Oh, I don't No, I don't think, uh, he's yet to show me that he is, uh, anything but a quad a player. Oh, really? Do you think that I have not seen him as a major league prospect? Do you think that the Bra- or I've seen him as a prospect, not as a future player? Sorry to keep interrupting you. Oh no, it's fine. Do you think though that the Braves will bring him up in September? Yes. And do you think that he'll? Well, I guess you just kind of answered this. Do you think he'll produce much at the major league level? Do you think he's learned something? I think he will probably look better than he did earlier this year. Yeah, I think there's probably a fire under him there all sorts of rumors that he was not conducting himself the way that he should have been. Yeah. Well, also at the Gwinnett level, uh, Tyrell Jenkins gets pulled from his most recent game due to dead arm. Uh, does this concern you much? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. Were you thinking that we would see him at, at, in September or could we still see him on the big league club in September? We could. Uh, I imagine that he is, even with the dead arm, that he got pulled. I mean, assuming that that's just what it is. Uh, I mean, there are uh, that he's got to be getting close to the amount of innings that they're going to let him pitch anyway. Yeah, he's up to 136 at this point, and that's the most output he's had since his surgery. So I think that's a safe bet as well. So, you know, just keep him down. We don't need, I mean, we don't even need to be putting him giving him days of major league experience yet true um at the uh up in rome someone you are excited about already uh tuki toussaint i mean he's not going to be able to make the jump to september but what do you give as an upside for tuki toussaint in the short term uh three uh plus pitches uh and Seeming he's got the guy. I mean, everybody talks about uh, his workmanship, and you know, he's apparently the real deal. Uh, there have been people that uh, have put him as a you know, top 10 pitching prospect for some time uh, at different times. Uh, so I think he has a real strong, he has a top of the rotation upside. Uh, So does Tyrell Jenkins. So do several of these guys that we have, uh, have had injury problems and stuff, but uh, it's not like we've been going out looking for uh, people that uh, are fourth and fifth starters. We've been going out looking for number one and two starters. And that makes a difference. How how much or how long of a sample size do you genuinely need with some of these highly regarded prospects to feel confident about them? You know, how much longer for Tyrell Jenkins to produce at a good level in Gwinnett? Do you think he's a he's ready? I, well, or, I mean, now supposedly his uh, if, I, if I remember right, uh, Tyrell Jenkins uh, his. Changeup has had a lot of dip to it, but it's not consistent. He hasn't 
uh, really mastered that yet. They're not letting him throw his curveball that much, which is an over-the-top 12 to 6 curveball. He, uh, but they, I mean, because they're trying to develop the change of speeds between the change and the fastball. Uh, so he's not ready yet. I mean, uh, when he is throwing all three pitches with command, uh, and then you bring him up, you uh, let him have the experience, and it's going to take. Still, at that point, it takes a while. Yeah, for most. Um, and then, uh, so the big call that everybody is waiting on is uh, Oliveira. Um, do you think we see him uh, right at September first? And how excited oh. are you to see him? Oh, I think we see him when he's healthy and ready to come up. I mean, if it uh, it doesn't, September the first makes no difference. We'll make room for him. I mean, he is already. It's not like you know he's burning time. If uh, you know if he's ready, August the thirtieth, we'll bring him up. If that's you know he's ready at that time, uh, I'm really excited to see him. Uh, the uh, we need hitters. <laughs> you know, there's That's true. we've got a whole lot of young arms. You got to figure some of them will work out. Uh, the uh, with the ones we have on the staff and all of the ones that we haven't. I mean, and we continue. You know, our number one pick uh, still another pitcher. Um, and, and what's his name? Fries or Freed? Uh, we got in the from Upton, yeah Upton trade Freed. Uh, uh, he hasn't even pitched this year, but I mean, he's still regarded as a very high prospect. I mean, but we need hitters, and uh, Oliveira is our best hope right now. That's true. Um, and then, you know, the, those are the two big call ups we're looking forward to here um, Oliveira and Bethancourt. I mean, maybe not looking forward to Bethancourt, but he's going to be of note. Um, let's talk Freddie Friedman for a second. Should he play at all the rest of this year, in your opinion? Oh, Freddie is the face of the team right now, and so is Chipper. Uh, and they, you know, he he took long stretches off oh, when, yeah, when it seemed like he Chipper, it wasn't worth but, the games. Yeah, but you got to remember, up until what was it, ninety nine, he played all the time. You know, I mean, he just right. broke down uh, at the end of his career. I mean, he was uh, he was broken a lot, uh, and Freddie so far has been too but he's still chipper would you know if if he was coming back and still playing i can't say that i mean uh chipper didn't play on very many teams like this is for freddie uh a better point of example would be murphy you know looking at you know would he play in a seemingly meaningless september game the uh because Chipper didn't play in many of those. Well, uh, that's true. But, I mean, F- Freddie is the face of the franchise, but the franchise is clearly growing in the right direction. You know, we were all hoping, and now it really seems tangible. So, seems, but, you know, it could be that all of these prospects don't weigh out. <laughs> you know, they could all be bust. That's this, possible. Yes. And if that's the case, we just traded away some you know big commodities for a bust i mean it could still work out that way i you know i don't believe it i'm optimistic but i wouldn't call that working out i would call that flaming out (laughs) yeah it could flame out that way it could well we'll see and so um 
and so it goes. So, uh, um, what uh, what matchups, uh, what division matchups, what potential wild card matchups as we go down the stretch run, um, are you going to mark on your calendar to watch? Cubs and Cardinals, Cubs Pirates, uh, Blue Jays Yankees. No, I don't. I, I don't Dodgers watch, Giants. I don't watch the Cardinals unless I have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we could do a whole podcast on why we hate the Cardinals. Yeah, I several and, actually It could be like a five part series. Uh, I'm, I'm interested right now. Uh, the the teams I would want to see the most right, games that are the Cubs and Pirates. That would that's fun to me. Uh, the uh, Blue Jays and anybody they're just mashing the ball. And I not that I like their players that much, but I really like the city of Toronto. Yeah. Uh, the um, I uh, I mean, like I don't want to see the Yankees, but it will be interesting to see them in playoffs to see those old guys out there. Yeah. Uh, the um, I don't see if they them. make it. You I know. don't want to see them until then. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I get Orioles and Blue Jays. That would be something I'd enjoy watching. Um, the uh, I enjoy watching the Angels because. Uh, there are people that are of interest to me on the team, the least of which is not Mike Sosha. Uh, right. The, um, I mean, you know, those, I, I can't believe, uh, I'll, but that said, you know, I'll watch the White Sox anytime Chris Sale pitches, you know? Right. The, uh, well, yeah. So. I mean, that's, that's, that's the other great thing about baseball in the stretch run is that even teams that are out of it, if they've got talent worth watching, it makes the game you know, must see for a baseball fan. Cause I'll certainly watch the, the Mariners a lot. They're out of it, but God, they got character and talent and some really dominant pitching. We didn't even talk about, uh, Iwakuma hitting that throwing that no, no, uh, yeah. on a getaway day, which there's a puzzling statistic <laughs> about no hitters thrown on getaway day games. Uh, I yeah. think it's like 14 out of the last 35 thrown. So, and you know, about the Cardinals, I would be, you know, I was thinking about that too. Often, on getaway days, some veterans are rested. That That's is true. A, a time, you know, kind of like it, particularly if it's a day game after, you know, after a night game, you put a lot of people on the bench. That hit better than yeah, right, right. their replacement. That's right. true. And, and speaking of the Cardinals, as sad as we, as it always makes us to have to do so, I would be remiss. We would be remiss not to mention Bob Euchre in the clubhouse character department. No, oh, yeah. He's one of the best. Easily. Harry Doyle, one of the finest. Uh, Mr. Baseball, for those two reasons, more than anything having to do with his actual production on the field. Oh, right. You know, he was said to be, uh, like when the Braves got him, You know, his reputation was a pretty good defensive backup catcher. <laughs> well, that didn't pan out, really. Well, no, no. You, he didn't stay in the main, regardless of what he said. You know, and his shtick. Uh, he didn't stay in the major leagues for as long as he did if he was that's true. nearly as bad as he was. Yeah, that's true. The legend, you know, is uh, uh, the, the what's the what's the term that the the news of my death has been greatly yeah. exaggerated. Right, right. So the news of his inability as a ball player is greatly exaggerated. You don't, you don't stay in the major leagues ten years if you're if you saw it. Yeah, unless you're Mo Bird. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's a different story. <laughs> True, but you know he was said to be have a, a tremendous arm and a great 
he was a great backup catcher. Yep. But he just didn't play. And 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 I when you think about that, that's back when catchers caught all the time. You know, they caught all the games. That's true. Well, uh, thank you as always to everybody who uh, who's listening to us uh, on runningthebases.com. Check out the website. We have our first coaches top ten, the top ten baseball movies. Uh, up now for your reading enjoyment and leave comments to uh, agree or disagree. Uh, but a thank you to everyone listening on the website. And as always, you can download the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So for running the bases, I'm Tucker Wells. Thank you, coach. We're coming into home and we're safe. Have a good night. Good night.